0: Whoa, 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 Yeah, sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Baby, I took a half and she took the whole thing and slowed down. Baby, what is up,
1: guys? We took a Welcome trip and we on from your nosebleed. Like um, the NFL season marches on and it does so without our beloved Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, my name is Vince, coming to you live with, uh, well, I'm actually virtual, but uh, Ty is in the studio doing his thing. Uh, Seamus and Pat are dealing with a personal matter, so, you know, we wish the best to those guys, but someone had to be here to memorialize the Eagles season, which ended in a way that I'm lacking the words to describe, really, because calling it like an embarrassment doesn't necessarily do it justice um so obviously uh we weren't here last week uh right after the game because you know maybe we just needed some time to really distance ourselves from what just occurred in front of all of our eyes for the last five weeks ish around that um we we were on this podcast pretty negative going into the game against the bucks um i believe that we mostly all did not expect them to win and Again, I had to listen to people on Twitter talking to me, or not, not me necessarily, but shitting on people like me who were pessimistic about this game. It wasn't, I heard people say all week leading up to the Buccaneers game, the Eagles have already beaten them. They're a better team on paper. This, that, and the third. All those things are true. And I never said the Eagles couldn't win that game. They, realistically, they should have. Those people are right on paper. It's not even close. What team's got more talent, uh, all that. But, like, it didn't matter because the Eagles had so clearly quit weeks ago. And that's what I held on to. It wasn't me being a pessimist or, you know, wishing the worst on my team. Why would I do that? I want to go out and celebrate the Eagles making a a late postseason run. But that's unfortunately not the world we live in. Uh, If you watched the previous three games, you'd have seen – The team that beat the Buccaneers in week, whatever that was, is is dead and gone. And I don't think anything speaks to that more than the fact that, like, and you can, again, they were a different team at this point. Maybe you could say there were some lucky breaks, which I certainly would say that. But the Chiefs and the Bills just played in the playoff game. Not to go off course here, but they just played in the playoff game. That was, like, a classic, again, because those teams don't put on bad games. But, like, those are two teams the Eagles beat before their skid. And you're if you can look me in the eyes and tell me you think that the Eagles now would have beaten either of those teams like you're a psychopath, I guess, because this is it's a different team. Sadly, you can and we'll talk about the coach because we obviously on this podcast had a lot to say. I prefer the dumbass, but, you know, good. Yeah, I prefer the dumbass. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's been uh, it's been crazy since that game ended. But I mean, let's focus on the actual game for a second. Since we're late, I'm not going to you know break down the X's and O's here. But they came out and they looked dead. They looked as dead as they've looked for the other three games leading up to it. Man, uh, it's it was. Exa- I'm not trying to pat myself in the back here because I wanted to be wrong. But it was exactly what I expected. I couldn't just internalize that the Cardinals game and those Giants games and think that i would see anything differently and they didn't show me anything differently they showed me a team that didn't want to be there uh, the offense still made no sense the play calling the defense I, I mean i don't even have a word to describe how bad the defense is james bradbury my my god has a player ever aged quicker
0: probably Namdi. probably Namdi. awesome lad. yeah
1: Namedi, you're, right, you're byron
0: right. maxwell just just to play revisionist history real but, quick. But.
1: Ty, the, the, fact that, the fact that James Bradbury is now among those names really tells you uh, what a fall from grace he had because last year he was a fantastic corner. I mean, he was he had a really good year last year, and I, I'm at a loss for words on what happened to him this year, but it happened, and hopefully, you know, a little bit of, like you said, revisionist history on a different topic. You know, people talking about Howie Roseman with the contract and, like, Listen, I am, like, you know, known as the Howie Bootlicker of the Nosebleeds podcast, but I- I'm going to come in and defend my boy once more. When this, when this, At the time, that was looked at as a good signing. We were locking up a guy who seemingly isn't, like, that old, but he looks it, certainly. But, like, he was he had a great year. You locked him up for a little while longer, and now, in hindsight, it's a horrible contract because he is very, very washed, uh, which another thing about this team, like, Darius Slay, um, he's got a very weird uh, relationship with the fans in the city because some people really can't stand him. And I will give them a little bit of credibility with the whole – some of the comments he makes down the stretch aren't great, like where he's talking about how good he played and how bad the rest of the team played. Don't love that shit. But I feel like this city gives him a lot more shit up until, up until this last week he was getting a little bit more shit than James Bradbury was for a lot of the year. And I didn't understand that because I was like, he is outplaying him by a lot every single week. Uh, so that was one aspect of the game that sucked Baker Mayfield. Just, we somehow make every quarterback we play now look like Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, not that he was like, he was, he was good. I actually like Baker Mayfield. You know what I mean? Uh, he 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 is an interesting story. I don't hate that guy, but, but the he fact that we, shouldn't
0: look like right, the way he, he looked against I mean, us. Exactly, and, and I guess for me, that's probably the most frustrating part about this entire season is that <laughs> we've made quarterbacks like damn near look like Tom Brady in his prime, like Joe Montana, like resurrected his career and just yeah. came back slinging dimes all over the damn field. I mean, it's absolutely it, it was absolutely an atrocious season by far. And, and listen, you, you you called yourself a Howie Roseman boot licker. Um, screw it. I'll lick the other boot because, look, look I need it. People, people like to play revisionist history and be like, oh, I wouldn't have signed James Bradbury that much money. I wouldn't have signed Slay. You can't think that way in that moment because, like you said, in that moment, that was a good deal. Bringing back Slay and Bradbury after the years that they had was a good deal. Like, there, nobody said that that was going to be a bad deal or that was going to bite us in the ass down the line. Like, that was a good deal at that time. So you can't talk about how that was not a good deal at that time. You just can't.
1: fan base was excited to finally have a good corner after being – I mean, Slay, obviously, too. But, like, after being starved of good cornerback play for so long, people were excited for James Bradbury. I mean, it's not It's not on Howie Rusman, man. It's on the guy who – Seemingly aged thirty years this offseason. It it's it's a crazy thing to put the blame on the GM. Like I've always been a big like, if you you can't blame a GM for making a signing that is good at the time, and then you know for whatever reason, whether it be injury or James Bradbury aging a million years or something out of the something outside of the control of the GM, causing the signing to go wrong. Like you. I don't see how that would be the fault of the jam. You know, the player, like Nam Asimov, we just mentioned him. Best cornerback in the NFL at the time we acquired him. Came here and stunk. Can you blame the the team for bringing him in? No. Who could have predicted it would go so wrong? Like, again, it's revisionist history. It's stupid. It's reductive. It doesn't really get to the core of the problem, in my opinion, which are much deeper things. And, you know, back to Baker Mayfield. We make all these guys look like prime uh, Tom Brady, because our, our pass rush wasn't getting home, which, you know what? First of all, shout out to the veterans on this team, uh, Cox, Graham, uh, those two guys specifically, they really, they left it all out there. I, I cannot say anything besides the fact that I think that those two guys uh, and like Jason Kelsey, you know, the older guys, they all really gave it. their all, um, you know, whether, whether or not they're all back, we don't know, you know, it's different for all of them. You know, Kelsey's probably going to retire BG wants to come back and play one more year. Fletch, who knows what's going to happen with him. But if that was the end for any of those guys, you know, I, I at least appreciate that they, you know, kind of went out on their sword or whoever that saying goes. But the rest of the team, it was, uh, at least it somebody was abys- stepped up. abysmal. At least yeah, somebody absolutely. stepped
0: up. And, and you know what? And I know we're probably going to talk about this, you know, eventually down the line in this show. But because it seems like the old guard is slowly but surely moving out of this team, I think I would I would be remiss if I don't suggest or at least put out there at least our feelings about what coordinators and what coaches we want to bring in there. I don't know how you feel, yeah, but this is personally how I feel. I feel like when Sirianni came in, one of my biggest criticisms because I always give people chances, regardless of their background, regardless if they've called plays. I don't care about I don't care too too much about that. I mostly care about what product you put out there on the field. And for the past. Honestly, two and a half seasons, you can honestly say that the product that Nick Sirianni has put out on the field has exceeded expectations. Right. So I don't have a problem with Nick Sirianni. I don't have a problem with them bringing him back. My biggest problem with Nick Sirianni, when he first came in, I said, God damn, these are a lot of young coaches. And I'm saying to myself, like, oh, shit, Um, what happens if they run into some turbulence down the line? Like, where's the experience at? in these coordinators. Now, luckily, under under um, Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon, we never had that issue. We That issue never came up. But it sure reared its ugly head this year. The lack of experience, I think, is the main reason why we couldn't get out of the horrible stint that we were in as a team. Right. And when you don't have that ex- experience at coaching, m- older experienced coaches know how to – weather the NFL. They, they know the ebb and flow of it. They know the ups and downs of it. They know how to get out of rough turbulence. They know how to write a shit. Young coaches, not necessarily so. Honestly, I think that's the death of a whole lot of young coaches with a lot of potential. But if you don't bring that experience in, you're going to run into some problems. Now, that's what I want out of my coordinators. I need guys who are not necessarily looking to be head coaches, but I need guys with experience that's maybe been head coaches, are not interested in head coaching, but has been in the NFL long enough to where they have experience, and I don't have to worry about them jumping ship. And if, in the case that we saw, we see next year what we saw last year when this team runs into some turbulence, coaches know, all right, I know what to do. Leave it to me. I'll write. I'll write this side. I'll write. I write the offense. I write the defense. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, and I think before we even like get into who specifically we both are looking at, it bears it bears you know importance to ask a question of like, if you're a coordinator on the outside looking in, do you want the Eagles' job? Because yes, on paper, this is a team that should be competing for Super Bowls, but when you think about the drama with the coach. And what just happened to two new coordinators that came in getting canned for, you know, we, we can debate whether it was their fault or not. You know, some people say Brian Johnson was running Nick's offense. And, you know, today Nick says he needs a new coordinator for a fresh set of eyes. It just bears like earlier in the season, I had asked if other running backs would want to come to this team because, uh, you know, Jalen hurts snags, all the, the touchdowns at the goal line. I think the same kind of thing could be asked with coaching. Like, do other guys look in and be like, I don't know if I love what's going on there for me?
0: I think. I I, I wonder. I think in my opinion, so if I'm a young coach and I'm looking to, you know, be eventually become a head coach, I'm not necessarily looking at the offensive, defensive coordinator position for the Eagles, like with wide eyes. That's not necessarily, that, that wouldn't be my first option. Be, two things. One, Sirianni's on his last year of his contract, so if this whole thing goes down, that reflects bad on me too. That's number one. Number two.
1: Because, real quick, if Mm Sirianni gets fired, they would clean house for whoever comes. Right. Probably.
0: And that was was my number two. Now they have to clean house, and now I'm out of a job. And like I said before, that reflects bad on me. Now, if I'm an experienced head coach that's been around the NFL long enough to where I'm not interested in being a head coach, my track record says that I'm better as a coordinator than I am a per se coach, then I'm interested in a job because regardless of what happens, look, I've made my career. I've made my bones. Mm-hmm. And that job to me is a little bit more intriguing and interesting to me than say a, a younger coach. Experienced coaches, uh, yeah. sure.
1: I, and that, Honestly, that's – so we can talk about who specifically we want for the jobs. So I think let's start with defense because specifically today there's been a lot of talk. Um, the Dolphins fired Vic Fangio. Who there's been smoke around him with the Eagles for a little while now? Um, you uh, you know Schefter had come out and said that it looks like he's the top uh, candidate for the Eagles, and like I, I'm spoiler alert here, he would not be my first choice. But I'm interested in hearing your outlook on Vic uh, Fangio.
0: So, like you, he's not my first choice. I, I personally I, I want Mike Rabel. I mean, I know that's a pipe dream, but. I don't have a problem with Vic Fangio. And you know what? And and I I thought about this on the way here. It's so funny because this organization for some reason like they are they are they were so addicted to getting bits and pieces of Vic Fangio in his scheme. Like we would get we would get disciples of the scheme but not necessarily the guy, the originator of right. the defensive scheme. Like and I think about going back to the days of Jim Johnson. When Jim Johnson passed away, the first guy to step up and become the defensive coordinator was the current head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Um, What's his name? I can't think. Sean McDermott. There, There you go. Sean McDermott. That was the first guy. Now everybody thought that he would carry on the legacy of that Jim Johnson defense. He didn't. What he did was he took Jim Johnson's defense and he made it his own, which is perfectly fine. But you're not going to get that same guy's defense just because you get a disciple. I think the closest yeah. guy to Jim Johnson that came from Jim Johnson's coaching tree is probably Steve Spagnuolo. And that's pretty much it. Everybody else has pretty much done their own thing. Ron Rivera as a defensive coordinator done his own thing. Sean McDermott has done his own thing. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo is the only one that stayed tried and true. But my basic point in saying all that is, is that just because you have a disciple, just, that don't mean you're going to get that guy. Like I see a yeah. lot of people on Twitter saying on, real quick on offense that they want a Kyle Shanahan disciple. That don't mean you're going to get Kyle Shanahan's offense. You may get a right. version of it, but you're not going to get Kyle Shanahan's pure offense. I I don't mind the fact that we're that if they do pick up Vic Finjia, I wouldn't mind that at all because we're getting the originator, the original guy. And I don't yeah. mind that at all.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely relate to what you're saying, Vic Vangio, And I, I know that what I just said could be taken as I don't want him. That's not what I mean. He's not. He's just not my first option. I think. Per, I think my first option, personally, you actually just mentioned him by name not that long ago. I would love Ron Rivera. I think I wouldn't mind that. I think Ron Rivera as a defensive coordinator would be great for this team because I think with Nick as the head coach. Um, you know he's a younger guy he's more quirky you could call it which again these things are not problems I don't want to seem like this podcast we're like um, jumping ship because you know Seamus has always been the way he is with Nick Sirianni but me Pat and even you we always you know took up for his quirkiness and I'm not gonna act like it's a problem now because it's it's fine it's other things that are problems with Nick and we'll we'll get into those but He is the way he is, and I think having someone like Ron Rivera, who is a bit more of a hardened, veteran, defensive-minded coach, could be a good way to balance it out because coaching in the NFL is weird because, like, you have to relate to these guys, and you don't want to come off, like, too much of a disciplinarian, but at the same time, they need someone that, like – for lack of a better word, like forces them to respect.
0: Exactly. Him.
1: And I think Ron Rivera would be very good. And Vic Fangio probably too, but I think Ron Rivera would be great in that role to kind of counterbalance the youthfulness of Nick.
0: And I think also that's another reason why I want experience at my coordinator positions. Cause like I said, yeah. the old guard is moving out. I think if everything comes to fruition, like I think how everything's going to come to fruition, we're only going to have one 30-year-old guy on the roster come next year, and that's Elaine Johnson. There's isn't going to be a bunch of sh- – a shit ton of young guys, no experience whatsoever, and you, you're going to need older coaches who's been around the NFL that can guide these young guys and, like you said, demand that respect out of them because at the end of the day, look, <laughs> you may be young, you may be flashy, you may be fast, you may have your youthfulness, but guess what? I've coached so-and-so. I've coached this person to a Pro Bowl. Right. I've won this many rings as a coordinator, as a coach. So guess what? I have the experience to take you where you want to go, so you best listen to me.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't, you, you just made me think of something that I've been thinking about. Um, this is kind of not going off topic, but Bill Belichick has been interviewing with the Falcons. And when I read about – which, first of all, that's an interesting landing spot for him if he does go there. But I was just thinking about when I read the word interviewing Bill Belichick. It just made me laugh because like all I could think of was like, could you imagine a group of people for a team interviewing Bill Belichick? Like, what what do you what do you even say to him? What do you ask? Like, all he's gotta do is put his six rings on the table and be like, I have more football knowledge than every person in this room combined.
0: Like Hey Bill, what do you do bring it? to the table? Boom. Right. six shiny is- fucking rings.
1: It just made me laugh because that's all I could think about. Like, dude, Bill Belichick knows more than football. That maybe anyone alive. Who the hell is qualified to interview him about why he deserves a job? I just thought that was very funny. But um, I, as far as, like, the whole older coach with experience goes, I honestly think the same way on offense because I am not entirely opposed to bringing back Frank Reich. No, I, I'm not impo- I would I would actually be for that.
0: I don't mind Frank Reich either. I would not mind Frank Reich because like I said, I, I need experience and I think he's yes. better People, I mean, I saw a couple people on Twitter like, "Oh, why you want Frank Reich? He's horrible as a head coach." Let me tell you something. There's people
1: a, forget that that's a difference.
0: There's a big difference between being a head coach and an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. Just being a coordinator, you are only worried about that side of an entire team—just eleven to like maybe a couple yeah. extra guys that may come in for substitutions. That's I mean, dude, it.
1: Look at look at someone like Dan Quinn, fantastic defensive coordinator, bad head coach. Look at uh, look at Adam Gase, man. Adam Gase, when he was an offensive coordinator, was looked at as like the next great offensive genius mind in the NFL. He became a head coach, and his coaching career fell apart. Like some guys are just better suited to being coordinators, and Frank Reich is probably that. No disrespect to the guy, you know. You just are good what you're good at, and anyone that's like, oh, he was a bad head coach. Welcome back here. That's just there's no correlation there. Exactly. And. I think it is an interesting, you know, we're talking about coaching. Nick was asked today at the press conference, a question that I've been asking myself for the last couple of months, perhaps Um, he was very directly asked your defensive coordinator is going to run the defense and your offensive coordinator is going to run the offense. What do you do? And he answered it by saying, basically just having a little bit of a hand in both and overseeing things and makes making sure things go well. And Like, I'm going to be honest. I don't hate that, but it's very dependent on things going well as opposed to going bad. Because if things are going bad, that quickly turns into what it was at the end of last year. What the fuck do you even do, Nick, like to justify being here? But if it's good, like that just means he's maintaining the vibes and the locker room and all that shit. We we saw it potentially go bad at the end of the year. I mean, I think it does speak to a lot of the belief that this team and – like players and front office must have in Nick. Uh, I think it's kind of safe to say that he probably didn't lose the locker room because, I mean, Jalen's a whole different story. We'll talk about that. But the veterans came out and supported him. You can, it was probably fake, who knows, but AJ did attempt to come out in support of him. And I just don't think that Howie and Nick would, uh, Howie and Jeffrey would keep him around if he truly lost the locker room. So I do have a little bit of, like renewed hope there. But all all I'm going to say as far as this whole I oversee the whole team thing with no direct role in either, you better hire good coordinators and shit better go well because if not, that is going to become very old very quick.
0: Now, I I totally agree with you that you better hire the right coordinators. Now I have absolutely no problem with you saying that. Now, my thing is that I don't think there's anything remotely wrong with that like in any way, shape, no. form, or fashion, because I'm thinking about two guys. I'm thinking about two coaches in the AFC North that basically run their team like that, and that's Mike Tomlin, and that's a guy that's in the AFC Championship right now, John Harbaugh. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't call plays on offense or defense. They're not considered offensive defense guys. As a matter of fact, I think they respect. I know for a fact John Harbaugh was the special teams coordinator with the Eagles. I I believe Mike Tomlin was a special teams coordinator for another team before he became head coach of the Steelers. So I don't have a problem with Nick Sirianni being the CEO. And I and yes, that is a concern that you have to bring in the right guys. But this yeah. adds to the reason why you want experienced coaches and not necessarily guys that are young and are looking to become a head coach in the NFL because then you're going to have to deal with a lot of turnaround on the offensive-defensive side of the ball. And when you have young guys, you need to establish a culture. And in order for you to establish a culture, um, continuity needs to happen. So I personally don't have a problem with that. And even with them possibly going in the direction of Vic Fangio, I don't have a problem with that because that's that's, um, continuity. I know Vic Fangio isn't going to be a head coach ever in the NFL again.
1: I mean, I like you said. I would have no interest at all if you know. I don't know any names on this front, but if the Eagles were like, oh, we're we're hiring some you know up and coming hot quarterbacks coach from you know the fucking Dolphins or whatever offenses. Yeah, no, right. I don't want that. That would that would not interest me at all. And, guy, and once you talk about being a coordinator, guys like uh, Slowick from the Texans, from yep. the coordinator, and Ben Johnson, they all go out the window because those guys are getting head coaching jobs. I was very interested in guys like that when the prospect of firing Nick was on the table. right? But we're at the place now where that's not happening, so your priorities have to change. And I'm completely in tune with you on both sides of the ball. You need, you need experience. You need guys that are going to bring some level of, like we both said, demanding respect because... That'll balance Nick out, and I, I for one, also I agree with you. I don't have any problem with his CEO role. It just comes down to picking coordinators, and the only reason I'm like showing concern is because, really, like we're O for one in Nick picking his guys. That's fair, and I just hope that he and listen, we all make mistakes in life. You know, I get I get that this is uh, football, and you know, life is life. But it's all the same thing. We all make mistakes, and if Nick can learn from what happened with Ben Johnson, not Ben Johnson, uh, Brian Johnson and Sean Desai slash Matt Patricia, then that's all I can ask of him. You know, Uh, just please learn and pick better guys.
0: I think that's honestly, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's what I honestly just, I I truly hope that you really learned your lessons from dealing with Brian Johnson and from dealing with Sean Desai slash Matt Patricia. Not only that, but like, I'm more disappointed in the Sean Desai hire because immediately after they hired the Sean Desai, I remember when they hired Matt Patricia and they like like a defensive quality assistant it was like, they gave him some stupid position and I'm saying to myself, that's in just in case he fucks up break open glass option.
1: Uh, yeah. Right. That's exactly
0: I mean, Shawn, what that is.
1: Sean Desai has to be essentially the first person to basically get fired by the same team twice in one season. <laughs> I, mean, I know that he didn't actually get fired the first time, but basically
0: yeah you basically got fired that is crazy though man. hey man let me let me holler at you for a minute um you're fired but you're going upstairs and then at the end of the season you know what you're just fired man you're, yeah, you're I gone actually
1: i actually think what they did to him mid-season is more embarrassing than firing him
0: it is embarrassing
1: like, it's it's way worse
0: not only that but like and this is just how i feel like there's, there was no reason for the switch, in my personal opinion. Absolutely your your defense your defense had gone through two hard games at that point. And um, last last two games um, before he got demoted was the Cowboys and the 49ers, in which neither offense nor defense showed up for that event. So, like, Absolutely. I don't know if Sirianni was trying to light a fire up under everyone's asses, but that was a move that clearly backfired And it showed not only on the field, but if you listen to the press conferences of some of those defensive players, they did not approve of Matt Patricia and the things that he was doing and the things that he was calling. I mean, he was basically changing the entire defense as the year went along. And I'm sitting there going, what the fuck is this? You can't change a defense three quarters of the way through the damn season. You can't do that.
1: And that's a lot of the reason why there was so much struggle in that after that move and maybe guys truly giving up because – not because they loved Sean Desai, but because you're changing the entire outlook of the defense this many weeks deep. It just – they never – it never stood a chance. And obviously that's oversimplifying it. There were a lot of deficiencies in talent, but that certainly plays a part. And the Eagles franchise has a lot of egg on their face for that move still, in my opinion. It It was unprecedented. It was wrong. If you wanted to fire Sean Desai, you you just fire him, in my opinion. That's something I think coaches look at. that They probably don't – they're like, oh, God, that was bad what they did to him. I hope they don't do that to me. But that's, again, why you bring in guys that are more experienced. Um, One other thing, this is not moving off of coaching, but kind of. I want to talk a little bit about Jalen. So after the game – Jalen is asked a question. I forget exactly how it was worded, but it was basically, you know, do you want Nick Sirianni back? And Jalen's answer, in my opinion, and the opinion of many, I'm I'm interested to hear your opinion, was weak at best. Um, He basically gave an answer, you know, you know how Jalen is. He gave his answer like, well, I didn't know he was going anywhere. I didn't know he was going anywhere. They gave Jalen Hurts they served him up a chance to defend his coach on a silver platter and he didn't really take it. Um, and I think that that is an interesting conversation. I just want to hear your thoughts on the question and Jalen's response to it.
0: I think it definitely was an interesting response. And yeah, I, I did see that interview and my eyebrow raised immediately. And I was like, ooh, that's not a ringing endorsement. I mean, this is – now, mind you, now what did run through my head real quick, I'm like, okay, this is still Jalen Hurts. This is still the guy that's not really – that's not going to tell you if he has five fingers or (laughs) not, even though you clearly show – it. Clearly, a picture will show that he has five fingers on his right hand. Like, he's just that type of guy. But it was not a ringing endorsement, and I'm just sitting there going – there's some shit going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, and it's—I'm <laughs> like—things are going to come out in these next couple of yeah. weeks, and—and and and there's
1: a, there's a lot of theories floating around about you know the relationship with Brian Johnson and you know potentially how Jalen felt maybe when responsi- some responsibilities were taken away from Brian Johnson as far as like having to run Nick's offense. Uh, I, I there's obviously no no. Uh, Validity to those things but i think that when you pair those like rumors ish t- type stories with his answer it, it it becomes an interesting conversation to have because again like jalen i get you are the way you are I, I really understand it but man can you put that aside for one minute and if you believe it or even maybe if you don't just be like I want nick back you know, me and Nick, we got unfinished business as far as you know, going to the Super Bowl, just something like that. Like, make it seem like you actually want the guy.
0: It's funny that you. It's funny that you say that because um, I sent you guys an article from the infamous Joe Santilagoito, and for those of you that don't know who that is, that's the guy that basically dropped the news about Carson Wentz being a pain in the ass in the locker room. Yeah. So do I take things that he says as truth? I, I, I kind of kinda could believe it. I was one of the guys that said that's a bullshit statement to say yeah. about Carson Wentz at the time, but he was right. So I'm reading the article and it basically says some of the things that you outlined where there are apparently, apparently there are teammates that feel like Jalen Hurts was standoffish. Jalen Hurts, you know, wasn't necessarily the most engaged guy or I even heard, I think it was Barrett Brooks this morning, actually, or yesterday that dropped the news that and dropped an actual player that Britton Covey said yeah, that he felt like Jalen Hurts was unapproachable, which Britton Covey came out today and 110% said, no, that's not what I said. That is not at all what I said. So we're getting mixed reviews about how Jalen Hurts is. And just just based off of what we know about him, from just based off from the press conferences, yeah, he's a stoic guy. He may not necessarily go out with you, you know, to you know a club or anything like that. He may not, you know, engage with you per se. You know, if you go out, if you you know have a party or something like that. But I think ten toes down. Like I think Jalen Hurts. When it comes to to the game of football, Jalen Hurts got you. Like that, he's got you back.
1: Let me let me read uh, these tweets from Britton
0: Covey. So he was
1: replying to a tweet from. Jacob or Jacob sports that says Britain Covey mentioned a Jalen hurts personality can be a bit intimidating, possibly adding to team tension. He responded with these three tweets. Normally I don't respond to things like this because I'd hope that people don't believe everything they hear slash read. Jalen is the best leader I've ever been around. So you can hear it straight from me, not someone else. I never, said he was unapproachable or I was scared of him. Someone asked me if Jalen's, quote, stoic personality turned people away and if he was intimidating slash unapproachable, to which I basically said that I've had coaches that were like that in the past, but Jalen wasn't like that. And in the moment you talk with him, you realize how approachable he is. I truly don't get this narrative. Jalen's authenticity is what makes him a great leader. He'll eat lunch with the quote lowest ranking guys on the team. Like myself, he is a great friend and great teammate. So I do think that's a, that's a, that's a really good sign in my opinion that uh, he had a teammate come out in support of him. So staunchly like that, especially a guy who, I mean, I guess that he was linked to this report, but like that, I I think that does a lot. And I mean, I know that I've been one to make a lot of jokes about, you know, Jalen's, uh, Uh, unwillingness to say anything of no and I think that that is a little bit different than the whole like I'm sure the team does not think that he's unapproachable I just wish sometimes he was more of a rah-rah guy and you know what it's not who he is and I'm not going to sit here wishing for someone to be someone they aren't because it would just feel inauthentic so Britton Covey says that his leadership style is working then I who am I to tell him no it's not?
0: And you know what, Vince? You hit the nail right on the head. If you're not a rah-rah guy in that locker room, guys are gonna automatically know it and they will sniff see it right out through you. And if
1: Jalen came in next year and became the rah rah guy, I think that some of the team would actually lose respect for him because I think they would see right through it.
0: Not only not only that, but and this is just how I personally feel. Like Nobody had a problem with Jalen Hurts' stoicism last year when they were winning. Like, it was just, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's got, he's got ice in his veins. He's like Kobe. Yeah, he's, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like Michael Jordan. Oh, my gosh. People love that about him. Now, all of a sudden, he's the, basically the same way. And now people have a problem with it. And I, I just find that funny to me. And I, yeah, do, and I do think that the media was really trying to go after a story. I really do about Jalen's stoicism and how they think it's not helping in the locker room. I truly think they were really digging for something that's truly not Listen, there. I
1: I think Jalen's stoicism does not... I don't know. I might Maybe I'll go back on my words. I don't remember if I said it was. But I literally think it is not even close to one of the biggest problems with this team. No. Jalen's stoicism didn't cause the defense to become horrible. Jalen's stoicism didn't make the offense call ridiculous place you know what I mean like none of this is on that specifically it's not even it's it's really not a an issue to me anymore especially after hearing you know Britain come out in support of it like I think that he just is who he is and I've always been you know guys should be who they are like it's one thing with Nick Sirianni like a big debate is on whether or not he should continue to act the way he does in the sideline you know talking shit to some other fan bases and stuff. And, you know, that's a debate we can have. And maybe he shouldn't go that far with it, but I am a big proponent of guys should be who they are. And I don't want Nick Sirianni to change who he is. And I don't want Jalen Hurst to change who he is. I I think that, I think that it can work. Like Jalen's issue. was not his personality. In my opinion, Jalen's issue this year was that he clearly regressed. And that's a whole nother issue to talk about. And, you know, maybe it was a one who knows, you know, we have, We had his his year as a rookie – or not a rookie. His first year as a starter, which was, you know, up and down and all over the place. And then since then we have one good year and one year that was like half of his first starting year and half of last year. Some really good and some all over the place. So we're just going to have to wait and see where he land. Like I'm not some people, man, in the city. And I guess this is just sports in general. Overreactions are just – Running rampant both ways here, and I'm not ready to give up on Jalen Hurts like some people are. It's kind of crazy the shit some people say, but I also think on the other hand, it's not it's not giving up on him to point out that his regression this year was a very big reason as to why the Eagles potentially are where they are right now.
0: Right, he regressed. Right,
1: it's not to say he can't fix it. It's not to say he's a horrible quarterback. No, none of that. It's just that. He took a step back and now it's on him. It's on Jalen and Nick now to overcome and react to adversity. And for for Nick, at least this will be the first time he's really reacting to a lot of adversity. Jalen has been through this shit. Jalen got benched at Alabama in the national championship. Jalen is used to adversity. So I, I for one, am very confident in the way he will bounce back. Nick, it's more of an interesting one to see because this is the first time he's really going through it. But Jalen, I think the people that are writing him off right now are going to eat a lot of shit next year when he comes out and he looks good again.
0: And listen, people, yes, he regressed. And you know what? That's okay. You don't think for one second this year is not eating at him. I mean, that that first year with him as a starter, all I kept hearing, and this was during my, my WIP days, all I kept hearing people was, he can't throw a pass. What did he right. do in the off season? He developed as a passer and became runner up to MVP. And honestly, he exactly. probably should have gotten MVP. I think him I think him um being out in that Saints game is utter bullshit, but whatever. I digress.
1: He should have got it. He should have got it.
0: You don't think and then this man comes back this um you know, upcoming year and he has a picture of him being covered in red and yellow confetti in his phone that gets leaked. You don't think for one second that this season is eating at him alive and that he is going to do whatever it takes to come back not only better but a stronger quarterback next year? I have all the belief in Jalen Hurts that he's going to come back better than he was last year, better than this past season.
1: Again, the touch on adversity he's been through. Jalen Hurts got benched in the national championship game, transferred schools, and – if it wasn't for one of the most historic college seasons ever by Joe Burrow could have won the Heisman that following year, uh, he was, he was at an, in New York. He was a top three finalist in Heisman. I, I'm pretty sure he was number two. I don't remember exactly. He might've been number three, but like, he's reacted very well to adversity before. So I'm not giving up on him. I have no reason to, but ah, man, it's it, just to write like a final, like kind of in memoriam on this Eagles season. Um, it was one of the worst collapses that probably the worst, you know how we always joke with the Sixers and yeah. all the shit they've done to us. That was worse than anything the Sixers have ever done. The only thing that was, is comparable is probably the 2021 Hawks series, but this, this might be, this might be worse. And it's definitely worse than anything else. The Sixers have put me through. So it's going to take a little while to get over the emotional damage.
0: Yeah. And that, but like, go ahead. Yeah. And that's okay. And like, that's, listen, I don't think for one second that from Howie Roseman to Jalen Hurts to Nick Sirianni, I do not think this season is just going to be swept on the rug. I do think that this season is going to eat at every single last one of those guys alive. Like, I, I, I don't think we're going to come back next year and just be like, you know, ho-hum, oh, this is going to be a flush of a year. I truly believe that they are going to be working to the bone, working their asses yep. off to improve this roster as much as possible.
1: Let, putting on our positive cap for a second here, like, like, just to bounce back off what you are saying, like, I just want to remind all the Eagles fans out there, like, how, it, realistically, when you look at it, how spoiled we've been since, like, the mid-2000, or even 2000. Like, we've been spoiled as a fan base. Yes, I know you can say, oh, we only got one Super Bowl, but, like, the Eagles are constant for the most part, there are some down years in there, but for the most part, the Eagles are one of the most consistently winning teams in football right now. They win they, they normally they win at least a playoff game. They make the playoffs every year, almost like we've seen this team and franchise be extremely competent, extremely winning. And I have faith that this franchise just will bounce back, man. I just I do. They've shown me they've given me lots of re- the, the Sixers have given me reasons not to believe the Eagles have given me reasons to believe that they can bounce back from something like this.
0: Let's just put things into perspective here. The Detroit Lions are going into their first NFC Championship game in 30 years, I think I saw. Exactly. In 30 years, we've gone to the NFC Championship game. I want to say, 6 we've been to the NFC Championship game eight times in that span. That is exactly. eight out of 30 times. Guess what? That That's a pretty good percentage, people. I need people to understand how much of a good percentage that
1: is. Jeez. People want to boil down success to just championships. And don't get me wrong. That's why you play the game. That's why you watch the sport. But, like, we could be Browns fans or yes. Bears fans. Like, would you rather that? And by- I, I, I wouldn't.
0: By the way, that's approximately a 27% clip over the past 30 years that the Eagles have been in the NFC Championship game. That is the most of any team.
1: Exactly. So all this to say, have some faith, guys. Like this season, listen, I, I know it might sound funny coming from me. I was top pessimist at the end of the season, but it's over now. We've had a week to reflect. We're looking forward to next year. Let's believe in our guys and that they can bounce back from this. And if, if they don't, then there's a lot of changes that are going to be coming, and it's going to be interesting to see. But at least me and you, we, we got faith here. But yes. um, so that, that's about it for the Eagles season. I do want to touch a little bit on – there are some other things going on in Philly sports. You might have heard of a certain guy named Joel Embiid. Uh, he scored a couple points the other night. But real quick, I wanted just to talk on the rest of the NFL playoffs – Um, I'm all in on, I don't know what, Ty, I want to actually get this from you first. What team are you in on? What team are you rooting for? And that's left.
0: I would be remiss if I don't say that I want the Detroit Lions to win it all. I mean, if, if there's one franchise that deserves it all, it is that Detroit Lions fan base. I mean, to suffer as long as they have, to go through the seasons that they've gone through, Nat Stafford getting hurt. Calvin Johnson retiring out of nowhere. Barry Sanders retiring out of nowhere. They they need something good to happen to that fan base. Absolutely. I will be rooting so hard. Plus, I hate the 49ers and their fans and their yep. and their sports <laughs> I I I still fucking hate them. The, so.
1: Detroit, Detroit lands at number two for me. I'm I'm I hitched my wagon to the Ravens, man. I not that might sound bandwagon-y, but I I've just been a big fan of Lamar Jackson since college. Like I, I'm just, I love watching him play. He's electric. Uh, I've, I've loved to watch him overcome all the bullshit that's been thrown his way, as far as the doubts that are cast upon him. And let's, let's just keep it honest here. The fucking racist dog whistle of calling him a running back, and he's not quarterbacky enough, and all that shit. Just like, it's always bothered me. Like Lamar Jackson averages more yards per completion than Josh Allen, and a higher completion. And I know it's going to sound like I'm shitting on Josh Allen right now, but I'm just making a point. More yards per completion and a better completion percentage than Josh Allen. But I never hear anyone call Josh Allen a running back or that he can't throw the ball. It just It's always sat so wrong with me. I'm a big fan of Lamar. I guess I don't really care about the rest of uh, the Ravens, but I do respect their, like, smash mouth defense. They're, like, some hard hitters out there, Roquan Smith. Kyle Hamilton, I fuck with those guys. But really, I just, I'm just i a big Lamar guy, so I'm rooting for them. But Detroit would definitely come in at number two. Now, don't get me wrong. Realistically?
0: Don't get me wrong. My heart, my heart wants Detroit. But my mind, I'll oh, definitely Baltimore.
1: I, I, really, my heart is with anyone not named San Francisco 49ers. That's, yes. They're the only team left I don't want to win. Every other team I can find something in. I love Lamar. I'd be happy for the city of Detroit, and I still love Andy Reid, and I don't care if this makes me a bandwagon. Also, I do really love – like I like to get – I like that I get to watch Patrick Mahomes play football because I think he is great, and I think that watching him build his resume will be kind of cool, especially since it's not against us this time. Yes. Anyone but the 49ers, man, they're the only ones I can't see. And speaking of which, we'll touch on – it really sucked – that the Packers fumbled a golden opportunity to beat the Niners. It really makes me believe I already bet on Detroit this week weekend to – I bet on them to the cover, but I think they could flat out win. If they play that same Niners team that played against the Packers, I don't see how the Lions don't win. Brock Purdy is still a glaring hole in my opinion. It's not to say he's not good because I think he is perfectly fine. I've given him respect in this podcast before, but I just don't believe in him in these big moments. I, I just – I don't think he's got it in these big moments we'll see he could he still has the uh, the chance to prove me wrong but also there's a chance Debo you know, Samuel doesn't play I would lean towards he's gonna play just because I think that he'll want to be out there but if he doesn't or even if it's a hobbled version of himself the the Niners went on that 0-3 skid this year without him not to say I was the only reason but it was the common denominator in all those losses that he was not there so That should be an interesting game. I'm very excited. It still sucks to me the Packers couldn't close that out. I just Um, don't
0: need to hear any more excuses from 49ers fans. Like, look here, we won the damn Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. All right, step the fuck up. All right.
1: I'm so tired also of them trying to rewrite history about uh, last year and how, oh, look, the Niners went further, so we would have last year too. Shut the fuck up. Two different teams, two different seasons. That is an insane thing to say. About two different teams, man. They're just two different teams now than they were last year. So that – if you're a Niners fan, you're saying that. You're, that's honestly kind of sad that you're clinging on to that. If that makes you feel better, I guess fucking more power to you. But that is so sad. But um, they're also on the other side, the Chiefs and Bills had a, another classic playoff game. Um, everyone, you know, was anticipated following their first game, which obviously, you know, was so good it spawned a new rule about overtime. Um, This just continues to be, basically, Tom Brady versus Phillip Rivers, basically, because Josh Allen is fucking good, man. I know I shit on him on this podcast a lot, but he is really good, and he just can't beat Mahomes. That They just can't. And he did everything he could, man. Those Bills receivers, Jesus, man, did they drop some passes that should have been caught. Stephon Diggs, we were just talking about uh James Bradbury becoming aged overnight. Stephon Diggs looks completely washed at this point. I mean, he he looks like a non-factor out there. So Josh Allen did all he could. What a game that was. Um, Tyler Bass. I, I heard someone have a take. It was kind of funny. They were like, Tyler Bass missing that kick is almost better if you're a Bills fan than Mahomes marching in the field and beating you again. Like, that would probably be worse for your morale.
0: Dude, either way, it's pain. It's, it's pain. it's yeah. pain, man. Because that's another... Buffalo is another franchise that's just suffered through bullshit and it's been completely and utterly unfair. I mean, lost four
1: straight Super
0: Bowls in the 90s, and then to not even sniff a Super Bowl because you have the dominance of the Patriots and Tom Brady for like two full decades.
1: I, I don't know if I'd be walking this earth anymore if the Eagles went to and lost four straight Super Bowls. So. Shout out to Bills fans. Like I really respect the Bills fans. Like I know I again I have some points of contention where I think they get away with things we wouldn't get away with, but I do respect them. And it was very funny watching Jason Kelsey, um, up in that uh you know box watching the game, getting shirtless, hopping out, even tailgating with Bills Mafia. It was very funny, especially when you remember the fact that Jason Kelsey screaming shirtless, probably like. 20 Miller lights deep and Taylor Swift is also in that same box. That is a, such a funny thing to think about. But so that uh, game was peak entertainment. And um, also the ri- oh, real quick,
0: I, I I don't want to hear any more stuff about throwing snowballs to Santa Claus or how bad of a franchise fans we are, because they were clearly throwing snowballs at the Chiefs players. I don't want to hear no more bullshit about how bad Eagles fans are ever again this is not a this is not a this is not a hit to to buffalo bills fans i'm just putting that out there
1: we have to go through it so do you guys sorry we don't hate you but if we had to go through it and it wasn't just do, it was also during the game that's another thing that i have a real problem with that people defend but um on the other side of the afc there was uh the ravens versus texans game which if you're a texans fan man like you should have your head held high you lost that game but you have nothing but positivity to walk away from the season with. You found your quarterback who looks amazing and just had one of the greatest rookie seasons by a quarterback of all time. And like you have your head coach looks like he's going to be great. You know, your offensive coordinator might leave, but you know, whatever, but there's just so much to be positive about if you're that team that like, it sucks to lose, but you ran into just a buzzsaw, man. Like the, the Ravens are on a different level than you right now. And that doesn't mean you won't get there, but like, I just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of positive shit to walk away from if you're the Texans. Hey man, uh, hey, y'all. keep your heads up. Is just really good. Yeah. The Ravens are just, they're probably going to win it all this year. I am super excited to watch Ravens chiefs. It's going to be an electric game. Uh, both, I mean, both games should be pretty fucking good. I, I, am interested more in that game just cause I, if the 49ers win, I'm going to be sick to my stomach, but, uh, I also saw, you know, Jim Harbaugh, if, uh, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, also new coach of the Chargers, broke right before we started the podcast, but uh, John Harbaugh has a chance to win the title, and that would make, you know, it, obviously this is going to sound obvious, but he, him and uh, his brother would be the first pair of brothers to win championships the same year, because, you know, one with Michigan and one with uh, the Ravens, so that would be, Man, that'd be a dope. fun storyline to follow, good for them. Uh, but yeah, that's the NFL playoffs. It's been exciting I and mean, you got to try to enjoy it. Oh, but also there was the Bucks Lions game. That was really kind of a nothing burger. I mean, yeah,
0: the, the
1: Buccaneers are in a weird spot because I don't think you can like you have to look for other options to QB, even though Baker played as good as he did. And like I respect Baker and I'm happy for him and he overcame a lot. But like, I don't know if that's what you roll with at quarterback. We'll see what they do. Um, honestly, it's a miracle that they even were in the second round of the NFL playoffs. It's a 9-8, and eight, very weak division winner. But luckily for them, you know how I just said the Texans ran into the buzzsaw that were the Ravens? Uh, I don't know what the opposite of a buzzsaw is, but the, that's what the Buccaneers ran into in the first round. So that's why they got to that game. So, you know, I guess props to them. And the Lions, like we already said, it's just awesome for their fans. Jared Goff looks good. The whole team it just looks good right now. I really hope they beat the Lions, but It's been hard to enjoy knowing what happened to the Eagles, but I've still been just enjoying some good football that's been happening because we've been getting some good games here. Um, Before we wrap up, we got a little bit of time left. I'd I'd be remiss, like I said, if we didn't touch on that that guy, that uh, seven-footer from Cameroon who just scored 70 points against the San Antonio Spurs, man. I I got home from work, and the game had already started by the time I got home from work, but I tuned in for the – Whole second half and a little bit of the second quarter, and man, I just I don't want to go too long on this, but I just want everyone to appreciate right now what we are witnessing from Joel Embiid. It's one of the great. We're witnessing one of the greatest basketball players ever put together one of the greatest seasons ever.
0: I am so angry because I want to say a couple of months ago I said to my wife, my wife came to me, she said, "I want to go to another Sixers game." I said, "All right, cool." And I saw the Spurs Uh, game. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? That's a good game. I think we could go to. And I was and I couldn't do it. And I was oh, just like, man. you know what? I will right, we'll, we'll catch another game. You'll and be B, telling that story forever. And B's gonna and B's not gonna go off. And B, that'll be fine. I am kicking my own ass right now because I should have got the damn tickets when I saw them. Damn, 70 points. And for all you miserable bastards out there because I hear you and I've seen your tweets for all of you miserable fucks out there that are saying, oh, we need Embiid to do this in the playoffs. Shut the fuck up and appreciate the greatness that you see in front of you right now.
1: I think too many people don't understand that guys, you just you don't do it till you do it. There was a time in this league when LeBron James was a laughing stock for having no rings until he fucking did it. There was a time that Giannis, you know, was doubted for his playoff performances until he did it. Jokic, same treatment. He got that shit. Oh, you got all these MVPs and no playoff playoff wins or series wins or whatever. And then he did it. So, like, it's easy to say that shit about Joel Embiid right now because he hasn't done it yet. And you know what? Maybe he won't. But, like, we who the hell are we to say we can't see the future? So, guys don't do the damn thing until they do the damn thing. So, let's just wait and let's see. And I thought, you know, another place where you're going with miserable people out there. If you like, So this is the way I put it. I'm a basketball fan. Now, obviously, I prefer my team over all other teams. But at the end of the day, th- there aren't even really that many players I hate. I guess a lot of people hate Joel Embiid. But, like, if I see, for example, like, if, if, as long as we're not playing them, by the way, if, like, Jason Tatum goes off for – if he went off for 70 points, I would be like, God damn, like, he's good. I would enjoy it because right. I enjoy hoops. I enjoy hoops. But meanwhile, for Joel Embiid, you have got people on Twitter that hate the shit out of him, free throw merchant, this and that. It's just ridiculous. Like I swear those people don't even like basketball because like, how can you love basketball and not love watching a guy go for 70? And for all the free throw merchant people, spare me with that shit because Giannis averages the same amount, if not more, free throw attempts per game The only reason Joel Embiid gets shit is because he makes them at a high clip. Shaquille O'Neal, if Shaquille O'Neal would have shot the percentage that Joel does from the line, I guess people would have bitched about that too. But, like, that's the only reason why he gets shit is because he makes the free throws. If you actually watch the games, the dude gets fouled because no one can guard him. There's nothing you can do. There's no way to guard Joel Embiid because he can hit threes. He can hit – first of all, his mid-range shot is damn near a layoff, by the way. This season, his mid-range shot is, is unreal, but there's just no real way to guard him. They foul him, and then you have people on Twitter who don't watch the games, who just read box scores, talking shit. I'm so tired of it. If you love basketball, I'm not saying you have to love the Sixers or even love Joel Embiid, but how can you not watch that and be like, you know what, this is historic, this is a moment, like, that's awesome.
0: Like you guys, you guys got to be some of the most you guys must have like the most miserable existence to ever walk the face of the earth. And I've been saying this. I've been saying this since I got into the whole sports, you know, sports podcasting, sports broadcasting game for all y'all that are always complaining about how Joel Embiid has these empty points, this, that, the third, and other. Let me tell you something right now. You better appreciate the man while he is playing now because there's going to come a time when you don't have that greatness anymore. We are witnessing greatness and you better appreciate it now while it's here because the moment it ain't here, y'all going to have some serious problems.
1: Yeah, I don't have all the numbers like on hand right now, but I mean, some of the stats you're reading about Joel Embiid's season, it's like I don't understand how people don't appreciate this. He's, he's doing things that have only been done by, you know, that typical group of guys you hear, like the Will Chamberlains, the Michael Jordans, the Kareem Abdul-Jabars. He's, he's putting up numbers that are being compared to them. The dude is averaging 35 points a game. He's on track to be the first center since Bob McAdoo in the 70s to win three straight scoring titles. I mean these are things that we don't you don't see. He's easily the most skilled big man of all time. And let's be honest, Ty, where you just talked about him winning rings. He's one great playoff run away from really getting the fucking respect that he deserves as far as like truly calling him what he is, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. At least from a talent perspective. Obviously, you need the rings and the accomplishments to go along with it. But like and that's another thing, not to go off on a whole tangent here. ESPN just released an interview with Joel that took place before the 70 point game. And they asked him about the MVP and stuff. And Joel, I think Joel summed this up perfectly because people give him a lot of shit. Oh, you're begging for MVP. He said his goal is to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And he said this perfectly. He said, if rings are all that matter, do you consider Robert Ori to be one of the greatest of all time? And the interviewer said, no. And he said, exactly. You need the individual accolades too. And I'd be lying if I said, I don't strive for that and I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long no. as you don't lose sight of the bigger picture, which I don't think Joel ever has.
0: And that's, No, I don't think he's ever taken his eyes off the prize. He made it a mission, I want to say three or four years ago, that he wanted to win an MVP. He got robbed, in my right. personal opinion, a couple of those years, and he, he finally got his MVP last year. Do you not think for one second that now his next stop is to get an in an nba championship ring do y'all not think that's what he wants also how long did it how long was dirk nowitzki in the fucking in the fucking game until he finally got his ring over the over the vaunted miami heat
1: he didn't do it until he did it and then when once you do it man that's just that is it i know this sounds like a like a joke i'm saying right now but it's it's serious like you just have to wait and see, man, and just hope that he can do it in the playoffs because I truly want – like, Joel Embiid is, is by far my favorite athlete in Philly. He has been for quite some time. I feel like – I feel like, in a way, like, I grew up with him just because when he got drafted to this team. I was, like, 15 years old, and now I'm sitting here as an almost 25-year-old. Well, damn, Vince, age And just – I know. Just to see everything he's gone through, you know, all the injuries, the, the loss of his brother, like, everything that he's been through – to come out the other side of it and be one of the most skilled players we have ever seen. Like it's some shit. Like it gives me goosebumps just to think about it. Like it's just awesome. Like so often a guy that struggles with the injuries Joel had to start his career, like they don't rebound from that. He did. And he's making a historic career out of it. And it's just, it's so awesome to watch it. It's heartwarming. And I just, I just hope that he does it in the playoffs, man. I'm not going to sit here and say he will or he won't because I'm just along for the ride, but fuck that right now. I'm taking in the greatness that I'm watching on a day-to-day basis in the regular season. I don't care about that shit. Like the re- MVP is a regular season award. So spare me all the shit about the playoffs until we get there. Right now we are witnessing one of the greatest seasons of all time. And if you can't appreciate that, maybe you just don't like basketball as much as other people who do.
0: Yeah. Well, and stop shitting on Joel Embiid. Otherwise I'm start coming after y'all. I'm not, Absolutely. I'm not a person with Twitter fingers, but I will start coming after you. <laughs>
1: So before we wrap up here, and this is now – we saved the – I saved the serious topic for last. This last two days for the Philadelphia Flyers has been quite a – so, Ty, I don't know how much you know of this story because I didn't know much of this story until recently. So I don't remember exactly how long it was, but a woman came out with allegations of trigger warning being gang sexually assaulted by the 2018 Canada world juniors hockey team. Mm -hmm. Now, if you know anything about this team, Carter Hart of the Philadelphia Flyers was on that team. And when the allegations came out, some players immediately said that they had nothing to do with that, or they had no involvement, blah, blah, blah. You had some other players who had attorneys come out, and then you also had players who said nothing. Carter Hart fell into that camp, said nothing. Which, right off the way, it didn't bode well, but, you know, who are we to judge? It was very early stages of this. So, fast forward to yesterday. Yesterday, Carter Hart, the Flyers announced that Carter Hart has taken an indefinite leave of absence from the team. They say nothing except for they have no further comment at this time. There was another player, I forget his name, I think it's like Dylan Dubay or Dylan Dube, something like that. I'm not a hockey guy. But he also was given a indefinite leave of absence from the Calgary flames. Now he was both of them guys, the thread that connects them is they both played for the 2018 world's juniors team. And they were both given a leave of absence on the same day. And also on the same day that it was going around that those charges were going to come out pretty soon. Then today um, I forget a prosecutor in whatever Canada place it was, uh, puts out that five NHL players have been requested to go and turn themselves in essentially and there were a couple other guys who also today were given i I don't know all the names here were given uh leaves of absence from their team so we're now looking and it has not been confirmed but it would be one hell of a coincidence for all those guys on that team to uh take leaves of absence as they were as a judge is calling the people in for you know basically turning themselves in so we are now dealing with a situation where Philadelphia Flyers goalie is most likely about to get prosecuted for sexual assault of the highest degree. And it is a crazy, crazy story that for someone that wasn't as in touch with the Flyers as others, this came out of nowhere to me. And I I can't believe um, all this shit. And I want to be the first to say right here because I know people will say this and I don't. This is not me saying Carter Hart is guilty. This is not me saying he's innocent. This is simply me saying the facts on what happened. If Carter Hart is guilty of what he is being accused of, he deserves to spend a lot of time in jail and never touch the NHL, or, you know, ice ever again. And that goes for all of the guys involved in this. So at the end of the day, I'm not I'm not saying he's guilty. I don't know. These are allegations. All I hope is that justice is carried out and the victim, you know, the alleged victim here is is given justice. And whoever – you know what I'm trying to say here. I just hope that justice is served for whoever deserves that justice. I'm not saying he's guilty. It's just a crazy-ass
0: story. Yeah, I'm not going to say too much of anything on it because I don't yeah. know. I don't know. We don't know all the details. I'm not going to say he did it. I'm not going to say he didn't do it. Absolutely. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going. I'm not even going to make a statement on it at all. I, I, I'm I, I, just going to let I everything saw, play out.
1: I saw at least – one or two tweets that did this today and someone said basically, man, the Flyers can't catch a break. First Cutter Guthier requests the trade and now this. And I just want to say to the people out there that are even thinking about combining those two things, one is a guy being accused of a gang rape and the other is a guy who requested a trade. If you are unironically combining those two things into one, You might be the biggest jackass on the planet. Fuck Cutter Guthier, 100%. He wanted to leave here. Fuck him, he didn't want to play for us after he told us he would. Fuck him. But to compare and put him in the same sentence as someone who's being accused of that crime is utterly absurd.
0: Yeah, I'm going to need some of y'all to go touch some grass. Seriously.
1: Literally touch grass. It's okay to say that, like, yeah, fuck that dude for leaving Philly. But he also doesn't belong in the same sentence as people being accused of a disgusting, irrehensible crime.
0: Like that.
1: That's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got to say on that. That's a bit of a deep subject. But me and Ty said before the show, we'd be remiss as a Philly sports podcast if we didn't at least mention it because it's a big story. So wanted to save that to last because who feels like talking about that? We'll see where it goes. And you know, again. If he's innocent, hopefully justice is served on his end, and if he's not, hopefully justice served on the victim's end, that's all we can say. So that's that. But uh, that's all I got for this episode. you know uh, Ty, thank you so much for doing this with me. I, always, I always take a little bit of uh, you know, pleasure when me and you get to just chop it up. Not to say I don't miss the boys. I hope that they're doing uh, well, you know dealing with what they're dealing with right now. And uh miss those guys, and hopefully that we'll all be back. You know, I try to make it in studio whenever I can. Hopefully we'll all be back very soon. Uh, regardless, we will talk – some iteration of the four of us. We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, it's, the Eagles is done, man. So we're on to the Sixers. Uh, pitchers and catchers report pretty soon. And also, I find it funny that in this moment just now, I'm thinking about the fact that we didn't talk at all about Reese Hoskins being gone from this team. But I would feel dirty if I didn't wait till Sheamus was around to talk about that. (laughs) So we will talk to you guys about that next week. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Thank you, Ty. And I'll talk to you guys all next week. Go Sixers. Go Phillies.